welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Acts 21 verses 1 through 20 roughly is what we will be uh, looking at this morning. So Acts chapter 21, I'd love for you to bring a paper Bible with you. I love paper Bibles and having those things in front of you. There's one in the seat in front of you. If you pull out your iPhone right now, I'm not going to be mad at you. That works as well. Acts chapter 21 is where we are. Many of us are getting back into the routine uh, this week. I know my family got back into the routine this week. I was longing to get back into the routine, longing to get back into the groove of school and and everything that goes along with it as a new semester starts, that's always wonderful, and this can be good. But, but maybe you've experienced already, we're only three days into the routine, maybe you've experienced this uh, already, that this can be overwhelming as well. You're faced with the, the ongoing responsibilities and everything that goes along with the, maybe it's mundane, maybe it's the stress, all of that seems to come back and be heightened when we start that routine over. Have you ever heard of a man named William Similo? William Similo. Have you ever heard of that man? 1947. It was March of 1947. William Similo, if I could describe him, there's actually a video of an interview that he gave um, years ago that has been put on YouTube. He reminds me of a guy that uh, grew up in maybe the Lower Nine or Gentilly or something like that uh, in the 40s. And um, William Similo was a bus driver in New York City, in the Bronx is where he was from. In March of 1947, William took a left turn out of the garage. You see, this is significant because every other day, William Similo took a right turn out of the garage. Instead of sticking with his daily routine, this bus driver did. He headed his bus south, and he was going nowhere in particular. He stopped in New Jersey for a bite to eat, and After that, he thought, maybe I'll just keep on going. So Similo, William Similo, just kept on going. He parked in front of the White House for a little bit until the authorities came and told him he had to move, and he made up some story that he was there for uh, some kind of diplomatic event or whatever it might be. And then so Similo got on his big red bus and just kept going south. Along the way, he picked up a, a hitchhiker in South Carolina, a Navy guy, and brought him along the way. And as he went along the way, he saw a sign that said, beautiful Florida, the sunshine state. So Similo thought, maybe I should just go down there. He said, all of a sudden I was telling myself, baby, this is it. I left town in a hurry. Somehow I didn't care where I went, he recalls. I just turned the wheel left that morning and soon I was on highway one bound for Florida. Three days later, Similo was in Hollywood, Florida, where he stopped, as he recalls, for a nighttime swim on the beach in the Atlantic Ocean, talking about how invigorating that was. He felt alive. He was totally free, but Similo became strapped for cash. They say he lost it at a nearby racetrack, and his plan didn't quite pan out, so he had to telegram his boss in New York asking for $50, and once he did that, the cop showed up and said, William, you have stolen your bus, and he said, I haven't stolen this bus. I've just borrowed it for a little bit, and they said, nevertheless, you're still under arrest. So two New York detectives and a mechanic were sent to fetch him and to bring him home. Turned out this mechanic couldn't really drive the bus, and so Similo had to drive the bus from Florida all the way back to his home garage in 
the Bronx. When he arrived, they quickly remembered that, they quickly realized that Similo had become a legend. People across the country were beginning to send him fan mail after this two week trip that he took down to Hollywood, Florida. Newspapers betrayed him as a working class hero and his bus, bus driving buddies raised enough cash to cover his legal expenses. They realized that they were bad guys here, so the surface transportation system decided not to prosecute or fire him, but they gave him his job back. And he kept driving the bus day after day until he retired. Here's what Similo said about this. He said, up and down every day, the same people, the same stops, nickels and dimes and transfers. And he said, well, this morning, I thought I would try something different. Similo became a hero. And why was this? The one interview, if you can find this on YouTube, says it's because he was doing what many of us want to do. We want to leave the routine. We just want to get away. We want to be done with the responsibilities. We want to be done with the nickels and dimes and the transfers and all of the routine that comes with life and just be done with his commitments for a while. I think this is a bit of us, isn't it? Whether it's the monotony, the stress, or that nothing seems to be changing, wondering where you're going, you wish you could just take a left out of the garage when you leave your home and just be done for a while. Have you ever felt like that? Have you felt like this this week with the stress of bringing the kids back to school, I just want to hightail it and go back to the beach where I was this summer? Why do I tell you that story? Because it can be a bit of us. Sometimes in the routine, we have a hard time finding joy because it seems so Routine, or maybe it's because of the added responsibilities that seem to come back around. And with responsibilities comes commitment. If we don't know where we're going, we get lost. The great philosopher Yogi Berra said it like this, be careful if you don't know where you're going because you just might get there. Headed nowhere. Paul knew his calling. He knew his commitments. He knew what the Lord had told him to do. He knew he was called to go and suffer like his Christ in Jerusalem. He knew the call that God had placed on his life. And he refused to be derailed. At every opportunity along the way where he could have, instead of keeping taking those rights out of the garage and taking a left and gone another way, Paul refused to do that. From the travel details that we see in Acts chapter 21 to, as we'll see, friends begging him not to go to Jerusalem to this prophecy that confirmed, yes, you will go to Jerusalem and you will be arrested. Paul remained steadfast so much so that by the end of this passage this morning, what does he say for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, thy will be done. I think we can learn a lot. Not so much from William Similo, though we often, our minds often go there, but we can learn a lot about Paul, how to stay the course, even in the mundane, even in the routine, even when you know what's coming. I think we can learn a lot about our own lives from Paul's journey. The first thing that I think we can learn from this this morning is the power of focus or staying focused along the way. Maybe saying it like this, staying single-minded along the way. As you, you may have noticed this when I was reading this in Acts chapter 21, there's a lot of travel details. How Paul from went this ship to that, the nickel, the dime, the exchanging from one place to another. Ships were being unloaded. He had to find another ship and there he is bouncing along the coast there headed back to Jerusalem. There were details that needed to be taken care of, ships to find, ships to wait for. 
as Luke chronicles this routine travel, this time-consuming trip, we begin to realize something that even in the routine, listen to me good, even in the routine, if you are headed somewhere, if you are focused and know where you are going, if you know where you are headed, that makes all the difference in the world. The travel distractions, the mundane distractions, and some pretty good distractions as he goes into uh, meeting with Christians and, 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 and being knelt down on the beach and praying with them and all this wonderful stuff he experiences. We can easily be distracted. Would you agree with that? Would you, would you agree that in the routine, it is hard to stay single-focused and single-minded and focused along the way and continuing to pursue what God has called you to pursue? We are easily distracted from our true responsibilities and our true commitments and our true direction. Maybe you've heard of C.S. Lewis's work, The Screwtape Letters. Have you heard of that before? It was first published in February of 1942, about the time that Similo had taken this bus south. The story takes the form of a series of letters from a senior demon named Screwtape, and he's writing to his young nephew, Wormwood. And the uncle's mentorship is pertaining to teaching Wormwood to secure the damnation of one he calls the patient. In this excerpt, Screwtape speaks about the appropriate method for tempting someone who is currently welcoming any distraction that can help, that can keep him from having to think about his current state. Here's what he writes. You can make him waste his time, talking about the patient, trying to secure the damnation of this patient. Screwtape writes to Wormwood, this young demon in the making. You can make him, the patient, waste his time, not only in conversation he enjoys with people whom he likes, but in conversations with those he cares nothing about on subjects that bore him. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods. Have you ever gone down a rabbit hole on your phone? An hour later, you wake up and you say, I haven't done nothing at all for a very long period of time. There's nothing new under the sun. You can keep him up late at night, not roistering, but staring at a dead fire in a cold room. And all the healthy and outgoing activities which we want him to avoid can be inhibited and nothing given in return. So that at last he may say, as one of my own patients said at his arrival down here in hell, I now see that I spent most of my life doing nothing, doing neither what I ought to nor neither what I liked. Let's sum it up like this. Don't underestimate the power of daily routines, none under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Paul was following the Holy Spirit here. He was headed for Jerusalem. He knew that's where he was going. The daily routine of the travel would not hinder. We don't want to be, I'll give you one more quote by Yogi Berra. One time Yogi Berra was in his car and his friend was in the back seat and said, Hey, Yogi, I think we're lost. He said, Yeah, but we're making good time. Beware of making great time and ending up nowhere. we got to stay focused of where we're going and know where we're going. So that's the first thing that I think we see with Paul as this journey along in the mundane, in the routine, getting from one place to the next as he hops along the coast here. Number two, the power of commitment. 
So we see the power of staying focused and the power of commitment, staying committed even in trials. Some research says that most of the injuries that come from mountain climbing come on the way down because you think all the trials are gone. And so now you're just coming down the mountain and you, you lose focus, you lose your commitment to what you are doing, and then you find yourself injured. And so even for the most focused, it's sometimes trials having a way, have a way of getting us off course. Routines become difficult or worse. The ordinary is hit with extraordinary difficulty. Have you experienced that before? Not just the hardship of staying focused, but the hardship of knowing that in the routines, they have become extraordinarily difficult and you start to wonder, is it even worth it? Have you been there before? Are you able to stay committed even in the trials? Paul's friends, we read here, even tried to persuade him. Look at verse 4. They, they, he sought out the disciples, and we stayed there. And through the Holy Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. The, the Spirit had told them, this is what awaits Paul. Trials await him. And so they loved him so much, they said, please, Paul, don't go. You know what awaits. It, it goes on to say that, as he's staying at Philip's house, this prophet named Agabus, I read it a second ago, comes down. This is verses 7 through 12 in chapter 21. And he takes the belt of Paul and ties himself up and says, this is what's going to happen to you, Paul. You're going to be arrested. This is what awaits. And, and they begged him with weeping, don't do this. Don't go to Jerusalem. And, and Paul says, you are breaking my heart because I know how much you love me. And I know you know what awaits, but please know that I know what awaits. And for the sake of Christ, my commitment is unwavering. Whatever lies ahead for the sake of Christ, I will keep going. Not my will, much like Jesus in the garden, right? But his will be done. Maybe you're to the point that, that more, this morning that you've experienced that before, that, that there you are, and it's, it's not so much the routine, it's the difficulty that you're facing, and you are wondering if I can stay the course. Can I stay committed? That's what we're designed to see in marriage, right? Marriage is more than just a piece of paper. You're publicly committing. For better or for worse, we are committed to one another till death do us part. That's what marriage is meant to do, to show you what Christ and his church is like. And the truth is that many of us would say we saw Christ most clearly when our life was at the hardest. And by God's grace, you stay committed to following Him. It was in the pig pen. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son that Jesus told? The son had ran away, and there was the son. Where did he find himself? So he found himself in a pigsty eating the pig's food. Do you remember this? And it was there at the bottom where Jesus says that at that point, he, what, he came to his senses. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Like you're at the lowest of the low personally and sin in your life. And, and maybe you need to say, God, show me my need to run to the Father and that I will experience his embrace. And maybe it's something else, some other sort of trial that you're dealing with. For Paul, it was going to Jerusalem to be arrested, which would ultimately lead to his death. He knew that's what, laid, what lied ahead for him. 
but he was committed to the cause of Christ because he knew, as James says, therefore, my dear brothers, know that your trials are not, will not be wasted because they produce something in you. They produce long-suffering. They're working something out in you. And so Paul stayed committed. Paul was focused. He was singularly focused. Here's where I'm going. I'm following Christ, and wherever he leads, I will go. Number two, Paul was not only focused on that, but he was committed that no matter what trials laid ahead, I will not go back. I will not turn back. And maybe even that's true for some of you young people. You say, what will put you off course? What is that one thing where you will say, I will no longer be committed to Christ if I could have that? For Paul, could I have comfort? Could I have safety? Could I stay with these folks along the way who love me so much and don't want me to go? At any point, Paul could have said, I am just going to be safe and sound. I'm going to stay here. That's not what God had called him to do. The power of focus, the power of commitment, and we even see the power of community. Did you notice it along the way that everywhere Paul went, you see it in verse 4, you see it in verse 7, you see it in verse 8, you see it in verse 15 and 16, where wherever Paul went along the way, he always sought out believers, he always sought out Christians, and even when we get down to verses 15 and following, we see that they had prepared a place for him to stay, that, that Paul always had a welcome wherever he arrived. Here's what I want to point out to you. I want you to not only see the power of focus, single-mindedness, the power of commitment, staying committed even in trials, but the power of community. We need people to help us do this. We are not lone rangers. We are not by ourselves. We need people to help us stay focused and committed. And maybe you're thinking, we're like you heard the passage, right? Weren't his friends trying to get him not to go to Jerusalem? Not to do what the Lord had called him to do? Maybe a little bit. There might have been struggle. You, you know this. If, if you do something that's very difficult, it's usually the ones that love you the most are like, hey, you might want to stop and think about this because this is where this is going to lead. When I went on a mission trip in China, it was probably my parents that were the most concerned. Like, do you really need to go on this trip to this country? Because it might cost you something. And it's not that they're trying to divert you from following the Spirit, but they love you. They want you to think through, hey, hey, do you understand what you're doing? So, so through the Holy Spirit, the Bible says they're discouraging. Paul, don't go. I don't know if you were so much trying to derail him. But, but here's what I think is going on. The Spirit had shown him, like he did through this prophet Agabus, of what lied ahead. They knew the inevitable of the difficulty that would lie ahead. And so they wanted him to think through it. They wanted to hash it out. Have you ever been there before? Like Everywhere Paul went, he sought out Christians. When you have difficult things going on in your life or commitments that you're struggling with or focus that you're lacking, do you run away from the church or do you run to the church and say, hey, brother and sister, help, help me to figure this out. And it may take some back and forth. It may say, like, do you know the cost of this? Paul says, yes, I know the cost, but God has called me to do it. And by the end of this, they say they ceased. He, Paul would not be persuaded. And so as, as they hashed it out with one another, uh, eventually they just ceased and said, look, this is the will of the Lord. We've confirmed this. 
Maybe through fasting and prayer and struggling back and forth, figuring out what God has called you to do. Brothers and sisters, know that if you are to kind of thrive in kind of the daily grind of life, as you stay focused and committed, we need each other to help us do that. Would you agree with that? Have you seen that before? Have you seen the power of community in our lives? And this also goes on. Notice how Paul is always welcomed at these places that he goes. This is a gospel principle. That kingdom work takes place in the realm of relationships. And I think we forget that. We start to think of church or whatever as an experience. The lights, the music, the sermon, the building, the kids' ministry, everything needs to be just so. And we become consumers rather than people who have relationships with one another. And we've said up and down, you know, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. But oftentimes we make it into a religion because we want the show without the relationships. The very thing we say Christianity is not, we make it just in another way. Relationships. Living life with each other. Knowing the struggles of each other. Getting involved in a Sunday morning Bible study so people know you and maybe can hash things out with you. Go to coffee with you. And so that you can know the welcome of Christ. You know, the Bible says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. How has Christ welcomed you? The prodigal son. Let's go back to him. The prodigal son came to his senses. He ran. And what did he find when he got home? The embrace of the father. Uh, Everything rolled out. The fattened calf, the robe, he covered. He found the grace and the embrace of the father so that we might be a place when we go to church, when we go among each other, or even when people come in our home, we are so hospitable, not that we just lay out a good time for one another or find food or everything being just so, but when people come in our midst, they are welcomed as Christ has welcomed you. And they know with whatever difficulty they've come in, whatever focus they've struggled with, whatever commitments they've struggled with, they know that they will find the embrace of the Father, for our church is our outpost of the kingdom of God. We are pilgrims, helping other weary pilgrims along the way. As Paul went through the mundane, he hopped from place to place, and every place he found the church. And you see times that they're weeping together, they're laughing together, they're, they're trying to persuade one another together. And all in all, they're seeking to honor and magnify the Lord together. That will make a difference in our daily lives. The power of being single-minded or focused, the power of commitment, the, the power of community with each other, and even we see the power of surrender. I've read it already, but let's read verse 14 again. They're weeping. Paul says, look, you're breaking my heart, for I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He couldn't be convinced otherwise. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. It can be described like this in this single-mindedness, in this focus, in this commitment, in this community that we live in, that we must be people who are surrendered to Christ in all things. That nothing can persuade us otherwise. Like we so much know where we are going that we cannot be persuaded otherwise. 
We sang it in that song a minute ago, didn't we? We won't bow down to idols. We'll stand strong. We'll worship. If I go through the fire, I'll rejoice because Christ is with me. Feelings won't form me. I'll hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified because death is just the doorway into the resurrection life. I will die to self so that I can experience the resurrected life in Christ. I'm surrendered to that. Even if death, even if being arrested, even if I am ostracized, no matter the cost, I'm surrendered to Christ. Are you there this morning? In all of this, Paul is embracing the way of Christ. Last point is this. The last point is the most important point. So if you missed the first four points, get this point. This is the most important point. It's the power of Christ in me. Here's the thing about the gospel. I've heard someone say it like this. The gospel is not advice. The gospel is good news. If you're not careful, this might sound like advice so far, right? Do this, and all I've done is burdened you with law again, right? You go do this, and you will be fulfilled. Just stay focused. Just stay committed. Don't take a left turn. Just go right every day. Just keep doing it. You can do it. Just, just bear it. Just find people. Just surrender. That, that's all you need to do, and you will, that, that's advice. That's not the gospel. The gospel is good news of what has been done for you in Christ and living by that power. Paul says it in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Who keeps me focused? It's Christ. The power of Christ in me. Who, who keeps me surrendered? My Christ who For the joy set before him endured the cross. And that same mindset is mine in Christ Jesus. It's the power of Christ in me. The the desire to be among other people is the desire that Christ put in me because they have the same spirit as I have. That's the spirit of the resurrected Christ. They are bought with the precious blood of Christ. And I know that I'm a brother and sister with them, not because I just think like them or look like them or from the same neighborhood as them, but because they have been redeemed by the resurrected Christ and the spirit draws us to one another. And even in our surrender, we're like Christ. In our community, we're like Christ. In our focus, we are like Christ. In our commitment, we are like Christ. This is the power of Christ in me because the gospel is not advice. The gospel is power. The gospel is good news. This is what has been done for you. And we receive it and live by it. So we live out this new identity. Not Christ, not not I, but Christ in me. This life we now live, what is this describing in Acts chapter 21? If you don't get anything else, know this. What Paul is doing is walking by faith and not by sight. He's walking by faith. What he sees is routine. What what he sees is ordinary. What he sees, he's moving from ship to ship. What he sees is is other people. What he uh, he sees is that what waits for him in Jerusalem, the inevitable end. He knows what lies ahead, but Paul is not walking by sight. He's walking by faith. This life he now lives by faith in the resurrected Christ who what the Bible says, he loves us. And he gave himself for me. So I can walk daily, Step by step, 
knowing that he loves me and he gave himself for me so I can trust him with whatever lies ahead and I will live for the glory of Christ and let his will be done no matter what. So we walk by faith and not by sight. When the details of life abound and we're overwhelmed, we walk by faith. When trial comes, we walk by faith. When it's hard to see, other pilgrims will help you see along the way and help you walk by faith. When the outcome isn't looking like you envisioned, know that the joy of surrendering is better. Look to the cross, for it was the joy set before him that our Christ went to the cross. One theologian said it like this, whatever else you see, we'll end with this, when you look ahead, see the mercies of God that have been multiplied for you. Do you see a mind-numbing job that you cannot escape? See also the God who is able to put a new song in your mouth. Do you see children whose needs and complaints swamp your days? Amen. See also the God who notices you, hears you, takes thought of you. Do you see the lingering wreckage of your own sin, which will take months and years to clean up? See also the God who will never fail to preserve you with a steadfast love and faithfulness. May God give us eyes to walk by faith and not by sight so that we will focus not on what is seen, but what is unseen. And so as we walk focused along the way, we will keep going, we will keep walking forward, not by sight, but by faith. Let's pray.